by Kofi Kingston, one-third of the New Day. And you are listening to the Unsanctioned Podcast, baby. Gotta bring the city back, let me know we still here, never gonna stop. Keep rolling like a wheelchair, can't be shook. You know the wolf smell fed, throw him in the trunk, turn your man to a straight spit. You're locked into the whole effing podcast. This is Luis Vasquez. Find me on Twitter at Luis Vasquez 617. The whole effing podcast. The whole effing podcast. Where did that come from? The Unsanctioned Podcast. Where did, where did that moniker come from? 100% ours. 100% ours? This is the first time we've displayed this over the airways. The whole effing podcast. It, it, it wouldn't have to do anything. The t-shirts have been ordered. The, it wouldn't have to do anything with our guest today. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm just saying. I, I can't confirm nor deny, uh, but we do have a legend on the show who happens to also be my favorite all time. The whole effing show. You know, the marketability is there. Uh, is there? It's there. All right. We are yeah. the whole effing podcast, and now we're linking up with the whole effing show. Oh, I like that equation. That's my. That's also my fantasy football name too. The whole effing show. No, it's you not. Know, it definitely is. I've never seen that. It definitely is. Cause, that's because you're not in my group, man. We're in the big leagues. You're still in the kiddie pool. <laughs> Actually, I don't even play. I don't even play. <laughs> All right, man. This I is your boy. I prefer to buy a, a nice pair of shoes with my, what you would call fantasy football money. Oh, wow. That's just me. Or maybe um, take a trip, we, we vacation, don't bet. depending we don't on your bet tier. money. <laughs> you know what I mean? But this is your boy, Jay Holland. You can What's follow me on social media. J-A-Y-O-C-I-T-Y unless it's on Facebook at that 781 at the end and of course follow the Unsanctioned Podcast dub the whole effing podcast now by Luis Vasquez follow us on Twitter at Unsanctioned PW and of course that's good for Instagram and Facebook as well and of course always drop us a line in our email at unsanctionedpodcast at gmail.com and a quick and delightful shout out to the gorilla position of the Unsanctioned Podcast. Scratch that. We're on talks, contract talks. Oh, oh do we want oh, it? Do we oh. want it? And acting good faith. Oh. Shout out fightboothpw.com. Fight booth. You know what I mean? Because they gave us love. You know what I mean? The whole effing show, man. Shout out to the Booker Man. Shout out to the Booker Man, as Yo, always. The Booker Man has been putting in work in this 2019. Guy, 2019 has been the year of the Booker Man in the Unsanctioned Podcast world. It's been pretty he's been, swell. He's been putting his lie. foot in a lot of stuff. Shout out to the Booker Man, RVD on the Unsanctioned Podcast. Oh, Mr. 420 himself. Mr. 420, Mr. Frog Splash. Mr. Five Star Frog Splash. Right, not just a Frog Splash. Mr. Right. Five, five Star. Frog Splash. That's crazy. I used to always debate with my friends who had a better Frog Splash. Oh, RVD. That'd be close. Him or Eddie, though. RVD. And I was, uh, I was pretty torn in what my answer was, and it was always RVD. RVD always had always that bounce up. to admit. Always that bounce up. Even when you Latino. play 2K. <laughs> but even when you play 2K and you watch it, like he would still like do the five star and like splash off the person and hold his stomach and the right, legs right, would be kicking. Right. Like that was cool, a cool visual, right, man. Right. Like you sell the impact of your own move. Yeah, <laughs> you also, like hands it. down. It's so ill. Van Daminator, Van Terminator, like absolutely. And he also made some waves recently when he appeared on the Raw reunion show mm-hmm. as an impact star, currently under contract, and appeared on that show. That's pretty cool. I'll make sure that happens. When you get a whole effing show, you can do what the F you want. You can do what the F you want. I feel like that's going to be his answer when we ask him. RVD is in the wings. You already know what's next. I think it's time for that line. Something to do wait, 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 the wait, whole wait, wait. effing we podcast. Gotta, we got to do it. <coughs> I, don't, I don't know. It, uh, I'm thinking. You are now listening to the whole effing podcast. The 
unsanctioned podcast. Now, you know what? Scrap that. We're going to go back to the usual nah, line, man. You are now listening to the unsanctioned podcast. We are now being sanctioned over your airways. Let's get it. Who we got today? I don't know if you're ready for this. Come on, man. I mean, we've had a lot of star power on this show. No, 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 this no, one no, in no, particular. No, 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 We're not gonna. We're not. No, this we're is not. Mr. 420 himself. No, 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 no. This is this is a legend in and out of the ring. This is Mr. Pay Per View, Mr. Monday Night, the whole effing show. This man, for those who are in Chicago, from August 23rd to August 25th. Make sure you guys go check him out at Wizard World Chicago. And of course, Impact Wrestling on September 5th and 6th. We have the man himself, my favorite. He's on your Mount Rushmore my, and Yes. I respect it. ECW, Wonderland Ballroom, Revere, Massachusetts. 1999, brother. You were there? I was there. My very first ECW show. Who was kind enough to take you? We're not going to get into that because they might get in trouble. <laughs> That's what I was getting to. But put your hands together, ladies and gentlemen. We have Rob Van Dam. What's going on, Rob? What's up? Quite the intro. Yeah. That's, the, uh, that's the great home park, right? Wonderland? Yes, it is. Oh, so you know wow. about it. He was ECW television champion at the time. Any memories from that place? <laughs> My very first show, you actually wrestled Spike Dudley, and he was victorious. That was amazing. I was like, you know, first time seeing ECW, I was like, this guy looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's his brother. I swear it is. You know what I mean? And just like seeing your, like your moveset and everything, I was I was just enamored. And then just, just stay following your career, man. Like To me personally, like I said, you are one of my favorites. You are on my Rushmore. So I, I am truly honored, and thank you for taking the time out to join us on the Unsanctioned Podcast. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. And uh, don't think we didn't notice I went I went from your favorite wrestler to now when you're talking to me, and all of a sudden I'm one of your favorite wrestlers. No, no, you are my, well, well, let's clarify. Because, because I got to gotta give shout-out to Macho Man Randy Savage because I feel a lot of people do not give him his just due. Hmm. However, if like people ask me, Rob Van Dam, hands down. There's no way around it. It's Rob Van Dam. All right, Fair I'm enough, gonna quote bro. you on that. I'll, I'll I'll keep you posted, Rob. I'm gonna keep tabs on that one. Keep we'll tabs see. on it. Mark right. it down. Write it down. All that. All good. All good. Yeah, I got so many monikers. You know, Mr. Monday Night, Mr. Pay Per View. Uh, one of them is just everyone's favorite wrestler because he is. He is. <laughs> Damn right. And you sell T-shirts. We sell T-shirts, and, and then, and then, of course, you know, people try to offer him fifty dollars to frog get frog splash. I mean, I, I think he should receive more than just fifty dollars. But hey, there I guess is. it's a thought uh, that counts, right? Yeah, right? Thanks for watching. That's a line from my movie. So thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for watching Headstrong. I appreciate yeah, that. So nah, nah, no problem. Gonna, we're definitely going to jump in a in a Headstrong. But I have to ask you, just because everyone was talking about it, it was a really pleasant surprise to see you on Monday Night Raw while you're under contract with Impact. So it was crazy to see that crossover. How did you feel about it? Was this just kind of like business as usual, or did it feel special to you also? No, well, as far as uh, being 
the guy that was under contract. Um, I thought that was very cool, you know, because that's uh, that's what Mr. Monday Night's all about. You know, when I got that name back in 97, it was because, uh, you know, I, I was wrestling for ECW under contract with ECW. And then I, you know, I said, fuck, I belong where the big superstars, the true stars are wrestling on Monday nights. And then, and then when I was on Raw television for those, uh, for that first time during that invasion angle, um, same thing. Like they thought in WWE, they thought I was an outsider. They thought that I was from ECW and they, you know, brought us in as heels. But then back in ECW at the exact same time, that crowd thought, then I was with WWE, so I was an outsider in a hill there at the exact same time. Were you though? No, no, no. Were you? <laughs> oh. no, he definitely wasn't. That's Rob in there. Put some respect on his name, man. He oh. knows the he knows how to play the business, man. There's a lot of rumors about what Paul Heyman was up to. Yeah, well, <laughs> so that's what I was doing. That's what I was doing back. Also, I wrestled for uh, Cornette's promotion. Uh, I think USWA also, unless it was the same. I think those two different ones. And um, so anyway, yeah, I I like that because it represents what I'm all about, and that's always been just just doing things my way and not worrying so much about rules, rules, and things like that that can hold you back. Exactly. So in watching Headstrong, man, I was uh, I was definitely um, caught off guard how you was introduced pretty much into wrestling. Uh, it was more so you learned kickboxing. The gentleman was just like, hey. Yeah. If you guys want to use the gym, you guys do kickboxing first, and then you guys got into wrestling that way. So just tell me about that dynamic and how it the transition was easy for you to go, not so much easy, but how it made it, I guess, uh, relatively convenient for, to go from kickboxing into professional wrestling. What made it what made it easy to not to actually break into the pro ranks, but what made the actual um, physical activity fairly easy was because me and my me and my buddies, uh, there was three uh, three other guys, so there was two of us. Um, my best friend since sixth grade, uh, Dango Nguyen, he, he, he and I always tagged against uh, Robert Jackson and uh, Eddie uh, Hawksworth, and that, that was the tag team. Every Monday night we'd watch wrestling, and then uh, Robert's uh, parents were gone. Actually, his dad would be sleeping, so we had to, <laughs> he would always yell at us to be quiet because his dad was sleeping because he worked some other job. And his mom was a bingo. And we would take all the furniture and move it out, put all the cushions all over the floor, and we would have matches. And because we imitated it with such passion because we really wanted to be pros, uh, we were probably fairly decent, you know, so... When I got my first chance to get in the ring, and it was a kickboxing ring, and I had to go through the kickboxing classes and sparring before we could uh, wrestle, that was that was paying my dues, you know, way back before I was a professional. But I also found that I was pretty good at it. That I was pretty good at kickboxing. I was knocking all my friends out. Um, I was hanging with his students that had, you know, 10 years uh, experience. His meaning Kit Likens, who was my... He, he was the uh, sensei at the time, the uh, kickboxing uh, master. It was his ring, uh, his promotion, everything. Uh, but, you know, because, uh, and then afterwards, then uh, the four of us, we would just goof, not goof around, but we would wrestle in the ring. So we didn't have any proper training or anything. Uh, but it was definitely a big step up from wrestling in uh, on the uh, cushion couch on the floor of the Robert Dome. At <laughs> the Robert Dome. <laughs> So what, what was your favorite match from the Robert Dome, if you can remember any? 
<laughs> it was. It seemed like it was always almost uh, Dango and I against uh, Robert and Eddie. And that's pretty much what we had to work with. It seems like maybe once or twice another kid might have stopped over from school, but uh, we were probably like fifteen uh, because we were getting dropped off, not even driving there when we when we uh, started doing this. My my friend Dango, uh, he went on. To go to uh, to get trained by the Sheik with me, and uh, uh, first territory we did way back in '90 USWA. Um, he did uh, part of that. He's one of my few TV matches from USWA. They called him Dong Cha Meng. And uh, anyway, uh, he's, he's went on to do a lot of things, but uh, he actually just passed away a few days ago from uh, cancer. Oh man! Well, our condolences. Yeah. Our condolences. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, young dude, but he had an exciting life. I hate to hear that. I hate to hear that. Concussions. That's a big part of Headstrong. And and it wasn't planned that way. Can you take us a little bit through that journey in the in the documentary? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, just like you said, that's exactly how it affected my life, too. I didn't expect it to be anything more than uh, a few minutes and then maybe a few hours. Then it ended up taking up so much of my life. Uh, that the movie caught it perfectly. Originally, uh, the movie was going to document a road trip, me doing stand-up comedy for like seven days. And I showed up on day one concussed. Uh, I've had so many concussions throughout my career, but usually I just shake them off. Usually it's a few seconds, and then I'm able to regain composure, continue um, very, very few times. I'll still feel uh, concussed after the match. That that very few times does that happen. But this particular time, um, it it wasn't a hard impact on my head at all, um, which you know I can't I can't attribute it to that. But uh, like many other times, I I just dart the back of my head and I had double vision. Um, I shake my head. Usually, I'm able to keep going. This time. I couldn't shake it off. Eventually, I had to keep going. So, you know, I finished the match. And then I waited afterwards to go home. Uh, and it's still, you know, the effects were still hanging out. And I, and I, I could see through either eye fine if I closed the other one. Look at, looking at them both, though, double vision. And so uh, three days later, I go... I had this stand-up comedy tour, even though I was told I shouldn't do it by Chris Nowinski, my my friend, the doctor that actually studies brains. He was saying, you know, don't you, you know, don't do this comedy tour. One, you're not going to have the attention span uh, to be on stage telling jokes, and, and plus, it's going to be too stimulating. But I, you know, this show must go on. That's the number one rule in uh, show business. It's like there was that was even a thought in my mind that I wasn't going to do it, but I did think. That I was going to wake up feeling fine every day, even the first several days into the uh, comedy tour, um, and I wasn't telling the fans or anything, you know, because I uh, I didn't want anyone to feel sorry for me or making a big deal about it. But turns out it was a pretty big deal, and uh, um, as 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 you see in the movie, you know, where uh, the viewers are experiencing it with me as I'm going to get my brain tested and learning way more than I ever thought that I, I needed to learn about concussions and the symptoms. And, and so I was like, you know, hey, let's, let's see what's going on. If I am, you know, if my brain's fucked up, uh, hopefully I can uh, educate other people. And so it's, it's really like a, like a live 
uh, ride with with uh, bringing everybody in the camera um, on this honest, you know, genuine adventure with me. So, uh, really proud of the way it turned out, uh, the the movie uh, and uh, and the brain testing as well. Now, you had mentioned just with the history of the business, is it was kind of not so much frowned upon, uh, but it was looked at. Hey, you know, it's a concussion. You know, you're able to move, you can walk, you can still take bumps, you know, get back in there and do it. How do you feel the climate has changed, whether for the better or, of course, or is there still room for improvement when it comes to how the business looks at concussions and handles them? There's room for improvement for sure, um, and we are moving in that direction because we're still learning about them. And so that's where that that's very important to me now is uh, – the education of it, you know, which starts with the awareness, and and that and that starts with making sure people talk about it, share their honesty, uh, because it is frowned upon. Um, you know, there's a lot of wrestlers that have joined this class action lawsuit against WWE, and so they uh, they want to look the other way or they don't even want to have a conversation it's something uh it's something that people in general actually freak out about now i remember when i was uh, with impact uh years ago um not not this run but this was like 2012 i remember after the match it was one of those rare times where i felt concussed uh later in the night um and i, and I mentioned it we were in the hotel bar um and i just I just mentioned it to somebody because the lights were uh, affecting my my vision. You know, I was, I was light sensitive, and, and I was a little loopy. And I said something to SoCal Val, and I, you know, just just mentioned it. I just said, "Wow!" I said, "Yeah, I'm." Uh, you know, so how you doing, Robert? So I got I'm good. I said, I "Just you know, I got a little bit of a concussion." It was like it seemed like the world stopped, like the music stopped. Everybody got quiet. They all looked at me like, oh, you know, they were all freaking out, like, oh my god. And SoCal was like, are you serious? And everyone was looking at me and stuff. So I said, no, I'm just joking because I didn't want, you know, I didn't <laughs> oh want gosh. everybody to. God, it was so weird. They made it weird, um, but so it's definitely changed. But we we're still we're still learning. And one thing that I learned, and I knew a lot about concussions because you know i donated my brain and spine back in like probably 2007 to the research and uh, i've always been interested in the topic i I like to avoid having a cte you know but um what i learned from watching my own movie headstrong back is that i did everything wrong that you're supposed to do when you have a concussion and i think that's why the symptoms and lasted so long because you're supposed to uh, go somewhere dark and not talk and uh, be unstimulated and that's how you're supposed to treat your brain right after uh, something and I did the opposite and I felt like I needed to stimulate my brain I, I felt, I don't know like I, I did the, everything opposite that I should have I felt like I needed to really step on the gas pedal and really rev the engine up and just kind of like burn through like that's that's what I thought so I tried to stimulate my brain and I was like reading and trying to watch TV and trying to you know bright light and I even took an Adderall that I had you know so yeah I'm wow. gonna get my, get my get my wires functioning here properly you know and and uh, and I think because of that I think that's why so much later I was still in I was still in business therapy still having doctors say, yeah, you'll get to 100%. I'm like, when? Like, I don't know. 
um, they they really don't know that much about it because the science is so new. So um, I actually, you know, I had plans of releasing the movie. Uh, it might have been a really small project, maybe a YouTube video. I don't know about the comedy tour, um, but. Uh, it became much bigger because, of course, it encompasses, like, my whole life with all the backstory I got to tell and how I got here. And, like I said, they're proud of the way that the uh, that the movie turned out. But when I started getting feedback from people, I had no idea, like, this movie was going to be so helpful to people. And, like, people are, you know, really getting through to my heart. People telling me how much uh, they were inspired because they see that, that I got to deal with life's obstacles and, and still got to move forward and be the whole effing show. And they, they can relate to me now more because I talk about, you know, some stuff that I went through with uh, the divorce and my dad dying, and my dog dying and, you know, life's uh, beating me up. And, 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 and I had no idea how much that was really going to help people, but, but I was really happy to see that it did. And so then I wanted people to see the movie for a different reason. And then after that, uh, after, actually it was first Ashley, uh, after Ashley Massaro died, um, I really felt like, you know, uh, if this, if, if, if my movie can be a platform to keep the discussion about concussions going, then, uh, you know, then this is like a really good thing. And then my friend in Scotland, uh, died, you know, um, 20, I just saw something on YouTube today. They named 24 wrestlers that have already died this year. And whenever it's suicide, they don't mention it. Um, I guess that's out of respect for the family. They don't mention the cause of death. Uh, but for me, I mean, I hope everyone hears this, takes, takes my word on this. Uh, if I, if anybody listening outlives me, however I die, I want everybody to know exactly how the fuck I died. All the all the people that I think are just ignorant that have told me I'm going to overdose from pot <laughs> for 20 years. Never. I from that, I Never. I want them to know they were right. I want them to know they were right if that happened. Wow. I, mean. I have to ask you, you know, clearly we all know you've had many amazing, memorable matches in your career. Are there any matches that you recall that, you know, maybe you shouldn't have been in the ring for, you were concussed or you needed to be recovering. Does anyone in particular stand out to you looking back at your career? Mm, no, I don't think that I ever went well, with the exception of this one that is documented on Headstrong. I don't think that I had gotten into the ring feeling symptoms of a concussion. It would just happen during the match. And then, like I said, I'd usually shake it off, uh, you know, contrary to what John Oliver wants you to believe, I've never, uh, that I can think of, ever been told to get in the ring when I was hurt in any kind of way. Uh, I just never told anybody that I was hurt. You know, we are independent contractors, and that's always been my policy, is like, if I can, if I can work today and make some money, then I'm not hurt. Uh, if I really can't do it, then I'm hurt. And, and, and that's very few times, but you got a torn ACL, you're hurt. You really literally cannot do the job. Short of that, uh, I never told anybody how I was feeling because I'm, I figured I'm a professional. I'm there to, I'm, I showed up, you know, to, uh, back up all the promotion, uh, that's, and, uh, give everyone their money's worth. And, and I've always, that's, that's just how I've always handled my business. Now it's, a, now it's different. And now that we're learning about, the long-term damage that can result from the concussions, uh, you know, it's more important to report. Uh, and, and, you know, I've, um, 
I, I have like one out of at least the last uh, three, but it was a decent, it was a decent one. Last couple, you know, I just shook off again, but there was one that was, uh, it's one of the two worst that I've got in my life and definitely the worst one I've gotten in the business. My last match at Impact, uh, I did, I went up to do a frog splash and, um, and uh, dude's rolling out of the way and he's winning the championship. Instead of doing a frog splash, I said, mm, I think I'll do a 450. I haven't done a 450 in like 10 years. You know, why not? And, uh, and I went up and I did the 450. And then when I opened up, my face like bounced off the mat. Wham! And I knocked myself out. And I was out on my feet. So anyone watching would think that I was just uh, overselling with spaghetti legs. But I was so rubbery leg. I was so out of it that uh, afterwards, I went, I was talking to Dixie Carter and I told her, um, you know, she said, Hey, how you feel? I said, I feel great. Uh, but I can't remember, you know, the, the, like the last few minutes of the match. She said, go see the doctor right now. And I said, Oh, I will. She said, no, Rob, now. And I said, Oh, you want me to go tell the doctor right now? And she said, go tell him that you get concussed. I said, all right. And I went over there and I was like, I guess this is how we do it now. You know, uh, yeah. why not? I don't I'm just here to make the money. I don't have any reason to do anything different than the boss does. You know, so I went up to the doctor, and he says, how are you feeling? I said, I feel fine, uh, but I can't remember the last few minutes of the match. And he just looked at me, and he goes, you do remember you just came and told me that a few minutes ago, right? <laughs> no oh, idea. No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Always, that's wild. That's only, happened, that's only happened twice to me where I had loss of memory. But I've seen it many, many times on wrestlers that were in matches with me that, that, that weren't Rob Van Dam. And Dixie was more like, she was like, that's, that's an order. Yeah. I'm not asking now. Yeah. So speaking of, speaking of TNA, man, yeah. Speaking of who? Yeah. Impact. Oh, okay. It was TNA back then. <laughs> yeah, your introduction, man, like come through the crowd, taking on an icon instinct. You get, you know, you give them off the top rope to kick. Boom. <laughs> And then Hogan, <laughs> Hulk Hogan. I wonder if Hulk Hogan had a concussion at that time because he he completely forgot about you in the ring. He was supposed to come down, and he was nowhere to be yeah. found. And it, it, he kind of left you out there to, to sell and oversell. And like, How great is this show? How great is that we're talking about that nine years later? <laughs> but it, I, I found it like I found it funny because like if you watch it back. You kind of see you like uh, looking up the ramp, but like you're still sitting yeah, looking no, up the ramp. Like where the hell is he? No. <laughs> like how no, long do no. I have to sell this Hogan? <laughs> but I I love Hulk. I love Hulk so much though. I would do it again for him. You know what I mean? Like oh, it's Hulkster. Okay, I'll heat on me. I don't care. Tell everyone I fucked up. You're you're Hulk Hogan. That's how much I look up to him because he was he's the man to me. Concussions, though, a lot of measures have been taken to help prevent them. And one of those things in, in recent years is eliminating headshots uh, with chairs. Recently, you saw AEW, you saw Sean Spears nail Cody with what is, uh, you know, whether it was gimmicked or not gimmicked. He took a pretty bad shot to the head and all of a sudden uh, the wrestling industry is in the limelight being accused of not caring about concussion awareness and taking care of the workers. I don't know if you saw that or you heard anything about it, but I just I'd love to know your take on that, uh, given the concussion work and awareness that you've been a part of. Yeah, um, you know, th this is the first that, that I've heard of it. But the way I feel about it is uh, one, 
Yes, WWE took away chair shots. I, I think back in 2007, a long time ago. Um, I might have the year wrong, but they they made that policy, and, and they are the standard setters, but also everyone considers them the whole business. Like, whenever whenever someone wants to go after the business in a negative way, it's always Vince, you know? Like, they're not going after, uh, I don't know, Ring of Honor and saying, they need to give their guys health insurance. You know what I mean? It's always, it's always, it's always Vince. But the truth is, on the indie shows, um, they can do what they want, and a lot of people still do headshots. And uh, the way I see it, um, it's it's not the promoter telling them to do the headshots. That's them uh, doing it because they want to do it. And as artists, uh, I guess, then that's okay with me if that's what they want to do. But I want them to know the, the possible uh, effects. And that's something that... Uh, I think the lawsuit has reference to is saying that because that, the guy with the lawsuit with WWE, he won a bunch of money from NFL because uh, he they they were able to prove NFL knew about the long term damage. They had information and they were hiding it. The talent didn't know. He's trying to say the same thing about WWE. I'm just saying um, I want people to know that it could be damaged. But then, as individuals, as artists, if they feel like that's how they're going to contribute to the show is to get hit in the head with a chair, then uh, I don't think necessarily I have a problem with it. And, and, and again, I didn't see the one you're talking about, but um, I don't look at it like it was the uh, promotion. I look at it like it was uh, Cody Rhodes or whatever you said. Cody took it? Yeah, Cody took it, and, and apparently the Young Bucks came out and said that it was a gimmick chair. It went wrong. Sean Spears kind of caught him with the uh, the top part of the chair on the other side of his head. So he was hit on, on the front part, but the back of his head got caught on the wrong side of the chair and cut him open. And so he was bleeding profusely. And so that wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. And so they came under a lot of criticism, and they did a lot to try to clean that up and, and then sweep it under the rug, but people didn't let it go. So. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that's, you know, I, I have no idea how many times I've gotten busted open the hard way. Um, and I, anytime I hit my head on the corner post, I can say, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. But, you know, it, it happened. It's live action. And what was supposed to happen? Supposed to, what does that mean? I mean, unless they really do have scripts. I don't think I've ever been handed a script. And everyone, that probably, people probably don't believe that. They think because they call it scripted that, that we, you know, that we actually have a, a, a script. And, and I personally don't. And that's when someone says, that's supposed to happen? I'm like, what do you mean was it supposed to? Did I want it to? No, but I usually don't know exactly what's going to happen anyway. You have a plan, a strategy, and you hope to see it through. But it is it is a live action. I don't know I'm going to land exactly how I'm hoping I land. Right, right, so right. Like, you know, how do you feel about that? I get, and, I'm, and I'm old school, so when I get busted open, uh -huh. I usually feel like, hey, it's good for the business. <laughs> yeah, right. It sure is. So one question just about that in terms of what you said with, you know, was it scripted? Was it supposed to happen? And, and all of that hoopla. I'll never forget. And I do. Well, I'll never forget. And, and now I'm going to say I forget which pay-per-view it was. But I'll never forget the moment. Jeff Hardy, I believe. or No, you are hanging from where the, the belt is being held. It was like a ladder match. And Jeff Hardy, I think, gets up on the top rope. Or maybe it was you. Maybe the other way around. And you go up for like yeah. a, a spinning heel kick that completely missed and just land on the ground. And then whoever was up top was like, shit, <laughs> and just had to like drop down. Yeah. Just a way 
um, overestimation in my mind on um, how far it could fly. <laughs> yeah, that was you coming off the top, right, with a spinning heel kick. That's what it is. Yeah, usually that's what it is, is I rehearse it in my mind, so to speak, rehearse. And then, you know, if I can feel it uh, in my mind, visualize it with with physically feeling it, then I usually know if I can do it or not. For some reason, yeah, I thought that I could jump back and peek way up there and I was so far off that, um, you know, that, that but, but again, you know, the, hey, that's exactly what happened was I went for a kick and missed. Just made him look like a dumbass because then he had to let go of the belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember you guys being on the mat like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it looked painful, though. The younger in the business, the more risks there were, you know. Yeah. And on and on and on, start going, uh, you know what, even if there's like a one in, there's a one in ten chance, I might miss this one. Nah, don't make the cut anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rob. Wow. I become better and be a pro. <laughs> well, it was cool nonetheless. It's a great idea, also. So, Rob, my question for you, uh, being a cannabis connoisseur as well, how do you feel about certain promotions? I guess trying to crack down on marijuana use. I feel that uh, you know, in the industry of wrestling, a lot of uh, painkillers and things are used, and they could be avoided if they allowed wrestlers to smoke marijuana. And I wanted to get your your input on that as well. Yeah, I, I'm not aware of wrestling promotions cracking down on it um i don't know what the current policy is with the big dub you know when i was there in 2013 it was a a thousand dollar fine and then oh no in 2014 it was a thousand dollar fine after i left i heard it went up to 2500 each time that you got busted and and they would use that against who they want to use against you know like they and they don't want I mean, traditionally, the younger the wrestler is, the less they're allowed to feel comfortable. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. that's a pretty comfortable thing, you know, being, not giving a fuck if you pay the fine on a uh, on a dirty test. But um, I, overall, uh, the the boys in general don't consume the drugs that they did years ago. Uh, when when I did my return to WWE in 2013, after being gone, like. I don't know, six years, whatever it was, the Chris, the trainer, was saying, Rob, you wouldn't believe how different these guys are. They're like a whole different generation with a different mentality. He said, um, someone comes up to, someone uh, that's injured, when I treat them and I and I give them a prescription, tell them to take uh, pain pills, they look at me and say, oh, do I have to take it? I'm like, damn, that's definitely not my boys. <laughs> <laughs> be like forging would be forging copies of the prescription you know trying to figure out the best way to get the most out of it but i think that in general has changed it's not i don't think that that i guess you know the style has changed as well i mean you got to look at that when i you know in the early 90s when i was uh uh amazing everybody by doing uh flips when nobody else was doing it because everybody was really big and slow there was still room for set, for years to come, there was still room for wrestlers that really weren't that good. Uh, in the 2000s, early 2000s, there was still room for wrestlers that kind of sucked, you know, that we were getting a push because they were jacked, they wouldn't get over, you wouldn't see them around again for a while, but there was still room to bring people like that on TV in all the companies. Um, and, um, and you know, I, I, I believe I had something to do with helping change the the standards you know of the, of the styles but now uh the style is so athletic in general you know like everybody 
does everybody else's moves um, for better or for worse. But they're all, you know, all the all the the flips and the jumps and the dives. Like that's seems like that's almost every match now. And I think in general that takes a different uh, kind of athlete than than one from years ago that might just you know take a handful of pills and then go hit the bar and start drinking because um it's it, it does take you know a, you have to be in a, a different kind of condition oh man now i gotta ask you what's your favorite strain as far as the pot though goes you know that's just until it's federally legal there's always going to be pushback from different companies that do business with the government you know what i mean you still can't even you still can't even put money from the pot stores in a bank because of the the federal government. But that's going to change real soon, two years tops, uh, and then everything will change. But in the meantime, companies that deal with you know fed- with the federal boundaries, they usually bow still the, the uh, Controlled Substance Act. So so that's that's pretty much what's going on. But I I never have a problem. Uh, no one no one seems to say anything to me <laughs> for what it's worth. <laughs> Now, what's your favorite strain? What's that, dude? What's that? What's your favorite strain? Oh, um, favorite strain of all kind is uh, something that I don't even think exists anymore. It's almost mythical, called a uh, tangerine. The stuff was uh, uh, the stuff was great. It disappeared for about seven years. And then somebody, according to legend, somebody found some in the bottom of their closet, like a college or something. <laughs> and then it got out again, and that, and that was just like a few years ago. And now it seems to be gone again. There's different um, derivatives of it. There's like different tangy Kush and uh, this and that. And you can get it in wax, but that's uh, because they can make the terpenes any flavor they want. But the, the, the flower was like magical because it tasted like somebody had broken up a vitamin C pill, crushed it, and like sprinkled it in your bag of flour. And then when you smoked it, it actually smelled like somebody sprayed an air freshener in the room, tangerine. Oh, man. That sounds like a, definitely sounds like an MTV movie ready. I, I just, in my college dorm room, <laughs> open, yeah. open up a chest and oh. <laughs> <laughs> now RVD now here's, here's another thing because a lot of different strands come out um, like I would in speaking to you I would think you are a, a guy who loves Gorilla Glue Do you, you familiar with the strand of Gorilla Glue you have a smoke Gorilla Glue yes and yes <laughs> so it seems like you're always just relaxed out of like RVD definitely just pulled a couple of hits of some Gorilla Glue are you more of a papers or a leaf guy? Papers. Oh. So tell me, what's the... Papers, papers, but only raw. That's the only brand that, that I use because they're, they're unbleached. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll find something else. Like there's this pack. Uh, they're the thinnest brown medium uh, papers. This one's just called smoking, but they're unbleached. And uh, after smoking with the unbleached uh, brown papers afterwards anytime somebody has one rolled up with the white papers i just taste the paper and i don't mind tasting the paper with the blunts i like that but sometimes there's tobacco in there and then it chokes me out um sometimes it's not so you know what i I, I was joking with uh you know a fan on twitter and i made the comment i was like you know what we should do i would love to see a show with you and snoop dogg and I was just like, it, it, it could be something where you guys could just, just various topics. You guys could 
come on and like people will smoke with you guys and things of that nature. And you guys just talk about various things throughout life. You know what I mean? Him being on the entertainment side, and he's a huge fan of wrestling. You being in the wrestling industry, you know what I mean? And you doing stand-up comedy. I think that is something to be like, or even just a, a charitable foundation, you guys have a smoke-off and this raise funds for uh, for concussion research, for CTE research. A smoke-off. A smoke-off. How do you see that going down? Oh, man. I, I think people are going to be there for a, a week. <laughs> a minimal. <laughs> uh, but I think RVD and Snoop Dogg in the smoke-off, man. If we were able to pull that off, would it be something you would be interested in? Sure, dude. I'm sold. I'm sold. Put it together. <laughs> <laughs> sold. So we're going to have to reach out to some dispensaries. Something, something, by the way, something just uh, stuck out in, in my head, you know, when you said CTE research. Yep. The word CTE, um, it, it's thrown around so much. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and it's thrown around way, way more than it should be because it, it is a certain kind of uh, specific degenerative disease where your brain is wasting away. I hear so many of the boys tell me, oh, yeah, I know I got CTE because, you know, like, uh, they, you know, I trail off in the middle of my senses or this or that. They don't know if they have CTE. Post-concussion syndrome is something way different, and that's what you hope for over the, over the two because with CTE, eventually, you don't even know what your, what your name is. Your brain dies, and then you die. So <clears throat> that's... That's uh, something that it's, it's it's becoming a general term for just all concussion damage. People are like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure I got CTE, but hopefully not. And I just wanted to point that out. You know, that's something that I've learned along the way. Is it a you know post concussion syndrome, long term post concussion syndrome? That that shit might even go away still. Sometimes it's years. So anyway, back to laughing. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. And I'm sure, like, I'm sure you're able to, to become a lot more knowledgeable too with having someone in your circle like Chris Nowinski. That guy, he's dedicated his his life's work now to concussion awareness and more. Yeah. No, he's like a hero to me. You know, and I've always told him that. I've I've always thought that because he he wanted to wrestle and he had a very short career, but he had concussion damage that. Uh, made it so he couldn't he couldn't wrestle he couldn't be a wrestler but to turn it into a positive he started studying brains and then started comparing the football um, brains to uh, wrestler brains you know and he had a long uphill battle with a lot of denial that there was any coincidences I mean I'm sorry that there was any correlation and that uh, and that it was a high impact sport and that it wasn't just football because at that time they I think out of a hundred and twenty football players that they tested for CTE, 119 of them had it, you know, um, but, you know, that's, that's where you're testing for it, and the, and the player's already dead, and they suspect them of it, so it's not quite as alarming as saying, you know, every football player has it, but, um, you know, Chris, uh, uh, Chris was looking at the brains and saying, look, it's the same shit with wrestlers, so um, he's always, always been quite a hero to me. Yeah, no, same here, I've had two concussions myself, and you really don't you don't take it as serious you really don't know what it all entails until you get one and then you start to pay more attention that's how i feel so i wish it didn't yeah, take and, that. and for us for myself and my peers you know like we're in uh, uh an environment where it's a high probability that we're gonna get concussions and what's really got me alarmed lately is my friends keep killing themselves and it always seems to be um, a byproduct of the concussion leading to depression. And, uh, I mean, I, how many of my friends have done that? I mean, several. Uh, 
you know, a couple of them just this year, but in then over the years, oh my God, so many, but so, you know, I got my brain checked out and everything. And I love life, by the way, at the same time, the more this happens to my peers, I start wondering, like, is that something that could happen to me? Like, it's something that take over my brain later in life, you know, to, I don't know, but that's a main motivator for me saying, let's learn what we can about it now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, do you ever recommend like you're a dude, you're not shy about it. You know, you you, you know how to soothe yourself. Right. And so do you ever promote, you know, cannabis to, to the other guys or, or women in the industry? Like, hey, this this will help you kind of chill out for a little bit. You know, you seem a little tense, a little stressed. Dude, out. I remember telling Chris Benoit that in Mexico, like one of the last times that I talked to him, you know, and I was surprised to hear that he was open to it. Wow. Uh, not to him necessarily, but him open to the, uh, you know, the research that I was recording. And he, uh, you know, he was believing that uh, it wasn't that bad. But, um, yeah, actually, you know, I'm not really talking about it uh, a lot yet because of, of the uh, stage of development it is. But one of my projects on the table is putting together uh, my line of CBD products, which will eventually also um, hopefully include uh, THC products as well. Um, but besides... Uh, topicals and tinctures that that um, that'll be available. I'm trying to put together, and I am going to a supplement for this very thing that we're talking about uh, to help with the uh, with the brain damage. And I've been reading a lot of articles and NFL. Uh, NFL, they're all over using using CBG and CBD one and uh, making a pill that the players could take theoretically, and, and then uh, if they go out there and have an uh, impact um, with in their heads, they'd be protected against it. Uh, they got to go through a lot of red tape and uh, uh, a lot of things, and I might not have to. So uh, as far as putting all those uh, ingredients, everything that I can find that I'm learning about now, both from uh, you know reading about it and uh, personal uses, trying to find different uh, different supplements that, that claim to add clarity and memory and focus, and um, just different things that I can can find. You know, that's 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 the the product that inspired me to really put energy into this. Is that'd be great if I could have something that I knew could help. Uh, you know, my brethren. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. What sticks out to me right there is that. You recommended that to Chris Benoit, but you don't know if he really followed through with it, right? I don't think that he did. I don't know, and, and he—I don't remember him like expressing interest in, in his own personal uses. But it was something where you know everybody knew that RVD is a stoner or whatever. And I was—I was telling him something about—I don't know. I get on my soapbox, you know, and I start preaching like, like, dude, did you know the reason that it's illegal? You know, they say that it's a completely non-medicinal, a Schedule One controlled substance that Nixon put it on in 1970, and they still say today no medicinal purpose it's still a schedule one the schedule two meaning better for you and society hiring medicinal value is where you will find cocaine in meth today that's how the government has it listed still today and you know chris would he was into it you know it'd be like yeah that's wrong and i don't think it's that bad for you and you know and i was just you know getting through to him actually having a, a conversation where he didn't disapprove of it you know and of course after what happened i always like, you know, can't help but wonder, you know, like, what is, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, to your point, man, Nixon added it uh, to that list in ways because he wanted to infiltrate uh, a lot of uh, brown communities, and that was his way in, the, the quote-unquote war on drugs. Um, and even one of his aides 
admitted to that uh, on file. Uh, and, and so to see that it is still federally outlawed, especially when it was used for medicinal purposes, even way back in the day, it was used for a lot of cures. It's just asinine. Um, and I, there's no other way around that. However. But, but there is a reason for it, though, you know. So as long as you can be open-minded enough to say, hey, it sucks, let's really look at it and, and figure out what is the reason that they insist that marijuana should be prohibited and it's because the the people on top the one percenters make money off of prohibition and they're also the ones that rule the world and so they're the ones that make the decisions so so there you go you know people ask me a lot of times why don't they realize how much money we can make off legalizing marijuana and we'll tax it and we'll make so much money off it and it's like yeah but who who's going to make money off of it not not pharmaceuticals not alcohol and tobacco not not fuel you know not not paper farmers and, uh, our farmers yeah, would exactly. love it. They're, they're not making money off taxes they're making money off of prohibition and so as soon as as soon as they can get their hands around controlling the new world, then boom, then we'll see a change. I think it'll happen uh, probably, I, I think, like in a year. Um, and they'll make a change. And then all of a sudden, get, um, it's not federally illegal. But guess what? The, those same people that I just mentioned now own all this property. And, all, and they, buy, they bought out all these ongoing companies that, you know, that were illegal a few days ago. But now they bought them out. And uh, that's what's going to happen. And it, it'll be for the right, you know, but it's that's how that's how our world is run. Now, Rob, you seem like a guy who strikes me when it comes to uh, medicine that you can go either way. You know what I mean? You can go with you know the Western civilization or you may even just go with some herbal. Um, and that's natural herbals as far as trying to find uh, different ways to treat yourself. Is that would I be correct in that assumption? Um, I'm not sure if I understand the question. Are you saying that you, you could see me being both? Like uh, pharmaceutical as well as holistic? Yes. Um, yes, yes. Um, but, you know, what works, works. So, like, you know, I know from being a wrestler for 30 years, if something's really hurting me and I have a, uh, you know, 10 milligram uh, hydrocodone or I have, you know, some, some root that's supposed to help with inflammation, <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to go with the sure thing, you know. But I, but I always, but I always try to um, add a lot of that stuff to incorporate it into my lifestyle. And the reason, so the reason why I ask that because, it, and I know just in watching documentary and even to this day, just in speaking with you, you are very knowledgeable. Um, and I think people I'm very, I'm very smart. I, I feel I feel that a lot of people when they look at you, they're like, oh, RVD is just a wrestler and don't think that you're smart, but you're actually a very smart human being. And I just want to know, are you familiar with Dr. Sebi? Dr. Who? Dr. Sebi, S-E-B-I. Uh, I don't think so. I don't know who he is by that name. Yeah, so, I mean, he recently passed not too long ago, but he was the actual, uh, the first gentleman to actual take on the, the United States court and win. He was, uh, basically, he was bought, to court because he claimed that he had cured AIDS, lupus, cancer, and several other diseases, and he was brought to court. And in regards to that, he had to present one person per case, and he was able to provide seventy-two people in total. And that proved that that he proved that uh, he was able to prove that he cured AIDS, he cured cancer, and this is all with holistic. 
Um, and it'd be great. Like afterward, I could I could forward you an interview. It's about an hour long, um, in which he spoke about it. But I, I think that's like something you would definitely be interested in because it's it, it, the way that you're talking. You're so passionate about it, about everything. I feel that goes right up your alley. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to. He doesn't have a documentary out yet, that you know of. No, so the funny part about it, um, there was a, a rapper by the name of Nipsey Hussle who was recently murdered. Um, right. And so he was working on his documentary, and he had, you know, it was public knowledge. He did it on a radio show. He was talking about it. Um, and unfortunately, that got held up because it was supposed to be a joint venture with Netflix. Um, but I believe other people will actually talk about it because other celebrities have went down and seen him. You know, um, unfortunately, like Lisa Left Out Lopez, the woman from TLC, she was down there when she passed away in her car accident. She went down there to visit him uh, just to receive some yeah. treatment on some on some things. Uh, Michael Jackson, he's helped out. So it's it's interesting just to like to hear your passion and see how knowledge yeah. knowledgeable you are. Yeah, because that is. Because that is how it works. You know, I mentioned my, my, my best friend, uh, Dango, who recently passed. And, like, you know, when he got the, the news that he was diagnosed and was looking at doing traditional chemo, which is just pumping poison into your body yep. or, uh, or trying some alternative uh, methods, he, he decided to go to Tijuana. And I actually met him down there. I met him in San Diego. Uh, and then we went down to Tijuana together. And they do all kinds of – they do uh, – some light therapy with actual light that they shine in your mouth, you know, oxygen therapy, heat uh, therapies, because uh, they say like only after 104 degrees that the cancer cells are supposed to die, so they localize, you know, like a, uh, a heating laser or something, and it's like, man, so not everything is going to work for everybody, but if, if they, if the people that we mentioned, the one percenters, if they allowed the breakthroughs and knowledge that are already there to be used universally on a moral grounds, oh, you know, our life expectancy would go up instead of going down like it is right now from suicide and depression because people are like, you know, people have had it. It's fucking, that's where our world is. <laughs> yeah, so it was crazy because Dr. Seppi, when he was speaking about it, um, and he went into the court, uh, and he was in front of the courts, he mentioned, he was like, there's only one actual disease in the world. And he's like, if you think about it, everything is linked to this common disease. And so the prosecutor was naming a bunch of things. And he was like, and his answer was, everything is linked to your mucus. And he was like, you know, and, and everything, no matter what you eat, everything goes through your mucus, your, your membrane, and all that. So he was talking about how he was able to cure the gentleman. The first gentleman he cured of AIDS was actually from Boston, Massachusetts, a gentleman by the name of Kevin White. Um and then he was able to cure, like I said, cancer and the lupus. And he actually cured someone of their blindness. And he was like, it's crazy. Like, the way you cure someone of their blindness is you have to right. you have to cure, you have to clean out their intestines. Because if your intestines are very bad, that is going to blind you. And it was just hearing about it. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly inter- interested in when I afford it to you and you get the time to watch it. Yeah. Just to hear your feedback on it. Because I know you'll do some thorough research on it as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check and there's so much about this world that we don't know, you know, like they're still finding out, like on the news, something will all of a sudden come out, you know, that should've, we should have already known by now, like hey, drinking four cups of coffee a day helps fight off cancers. Like what? <laughs> you, how are you just finding that out right now? But that's happening all the time and we're, we got so much to learn and there's so much pushback from the people that are in control. So taking the conversation to a higher note, 
a lot of fans were. I, I, I see what you did there, Luis. <laughs> I see what you did there. No pun intended. A lot of fans are pretty excited for you to link up with Matt Riddle. And so to be a fly on that wall, that would be the ultimate experience. Has that conversation gone a lot like it has with Jay today? <laughs> uh, when I met Matt Riddle, he was, this was years ago, and he was in uh, UFC at the time. And um, Okay, so you met pretty uh, early on. Yeah, so I knew him, I knew him way back then, and um, we were at a... Um, this was a America, uh, sorry, MPP marijuana policy project fundraiser. Um, I used to uh, support uh, MPP pretty pretty heavily. They're the ones that change laws. And uh, anyway, this particular fundraiser was at the Playboy Mansion. Whoa, hold on, hold on. So you, you, rem- the half. I rem- yeah, I remember. I remember Matt having this little. One of those little, um, it's like a little tiny water pipe that has like a straw that just like folds down like an arm, you know, and it pops out, <laughs> it pops out. So it only holds, the water that holds is so little that the water tastes really nasty, you know, but we were, we were actually in in the grotto at the Playboy Mansion uh, smoking that little pipe the first time I met him. Now, now you're not going to ask the question. I have to ask the question. He didn't have his NXT No, no, yet. no, no, no. Did half hit the blunt? <laughs> Did he have a blunt? No, he had a pipe. Oh, but it had some greenery in it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> confirmed. Oh. I've always wondered about that. <laughs> confirmed. We need to get a green logo for the Playboy Bunny. That's what we need. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. All right, now just trending back in uh, along the lines of wrestling. Like I said, you are back within Impact, um, and of course, you are still people's favorites you know and i've seen what you've been able to do um in in recent weeks man tell me how does it feel just to be able to connect with the the younger guys and uh you know i mean in impact and just the knowledge that you're able to pass on and if you think you're like if they're receiving it i know a good friend of ours is uh eddie edwards you know and it's just seeing you guys just being on the same program is just delightful for me man so just tell us about your 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 current run in impact and how that's been treating you it's a really good, um, it's a good thing. It's a good setup to have there. It's a good uh, family. Um, there, You know, I'm there uh, because I was persuaded by business. I'm making much more money than I made last time I was in Impact when people would consider me more in my prime. Truth is, the more I talk about retiring, the more my value goes up. And right now, um you know, I, I'm I'm not at all the other all the shows. So like uh, a few days ago in Mexico City, I wrestled Thursday and Friday. The other guys had been there all week on the road. Um, so they do uh, some shows that I'm not at. I don't know how, how many, but anyway, I'm there because they take good care of me, and uh, the boys are like totally respectful. You know, they they made me feel like they're really glad that I'm there, um, and you know they. They, of course, grew up watching me. I inspired them or made them want to wrestle or, or whatever. But um, they, uh, they, they make me feel uh, appreciated. They don't, um, you know, they don't ask uh, too much from me. Just like, just like before I was uh, a legend, I still like do my own thing. I'm uh, over in the corner stretching or, 
or I'm uh, hitting my vape pen, you know, outside or, or whatever. Um, it's not like I have like a, a role like Tommy Dreamer, who's like uh, one of the office guys and, you know, goes around uh, working uh, with people all the time. They pretty much just treat me like talent. And if, uh, if anybody wants advice, you know, then I'm happy to give it to them. But uh, it's pretty easy. We do our promos. It's always like, all right, let's do it. Whenever you're ready, one take, boom, they're done. Um, it's it's uh, it's a really good good vibe there, good energy, and um, you know uh, I don't know how long I will keep doing it, but uh, the universe will tell me when it's time to quit wrestling uh, altogether. But uh, right now, you know, it's kind of like we got a few matches on on the schedule. You know, how about this match and this match, and how about this one too, and, and so uh, so that's how it is. Mr. One Take. Are we going to drop that in there? Can we add that to the moniker? Mr. One Take RVD? <laughs> Feel free. Feel free. <laughs> now, I, I want to shift the conversation just a little bit because, like I said, the majority of wrestling fans uh, know you from, of course, you know, being in ECW, you know, WWE and, and Impact. But not a lot of people may realize that you was also like in PCW Ultra. You was the heavyweight champion there, and you came across a lot of talent, including one that is probably the biggest draw currently on the independent scene, independent scene being, you know, Pentagon. Tell us about just working in PCW and just working with talent such as like Pentagon, because I feel like he currently is the next big thing. Um, and I, I kind of alluded to it in, in an earlier podcast. I was like, I feel that. Um, you know, when you look at the spectrum of wrestling, there's always you're gonna have your prominent high flyer, you're gonna have your prominent striker, you're gonna have your 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 big bully beast guy, and then you're gonna have someone from that Latin market who can carry it and transcend a crossover. When you look at Ray Mysterio, he's doing that. You know, he had Eddie um Eddie Guerrero for a point in time. And I felt Penta is gonna fill that role. So just tell us about your time in PCW Ultra, especially after the heavyweight champion, the organization, and also just working with talent such as uh, Pentagon. Uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've still, like, over the last several years, I've done, like, 10 to 12 matches a year. So um, even though people haven't seen me on TV, I've still been uh, still been wrestling. Um, that Just doing it that much, once a month on an average, is enough to make me... Uh, keeping the gym and keep on keeping uh, top shape because uh, don't want to have a heart attack in the ring or anything. So, so that's pretty cool. And uh, PCW is one of those uh, territories of wrestled, uh, you know, in Australia a lot, in the UK, in England, and Scotland, and uh, um, and uh, this year will be uh, a little bit more probably because I started with Impact uh, back in April. When uh, PCW approached me, just like when anyone else approaches me, my first thought is, you're not going to be able to afford me. <laughs> and then uh, nine out of ten times, you know, that's people are expecting me to come in. And, uh, you know, like on the, yeah, I don't know, somewhere that's within the market price. And I'm much above market because I don't want to be out there every weekend like, like all my peers. They want to be busy as fuck. And be out there every week. I'm priced so that not that many people can afford me, and so I'm not that super busy because I like being home more than anything else. Um, and the spirit first, not business first. So um, BCW was cool. It was like right down the hill from where I live, so it was close, you know. And they were using a lot of guys, and I was trying to help them, um, California guys. 
they're uh, they're rocking it right now. That's where I met Penta, and I, I understood that right away. That all the fans were really excited about him. Um, and you know, I think uh, from what I know of him, he's he's a good guy. Um, speaking from a business perspective, which is how I choose to answer this, um, I I see him as representative of the new school and being of the old school mentality um there's a lot of issues that i have with the changes that bother me just enough to where i'm turned off from the new the whole new um new school if that makes sense gotcha yeah and you know jay mentioned and those lines of names eddie guerrero and, you know, it would be an injustice to, to not mention Eddie in a conversation with you. It's unfortunate that he is not with us. And uh, he, he was one of my favorites. I don't I don't really cry a lot. It's not really a masculinity thing. But when Eddie died, I cried my eyes out. I couldn't help myself. And I, I know a lot of us did. And, and I'm just a fan. And so I can't imagine the impact of that uh, among the inner circles. What are some of the things you you recall from Eddie's time on this world and, and the time spent with him? You guys definitely had amazing chemistry in the ring. I just don't know if there's anything you could share with us in terms of what sticks with you to this day about your relationship with Eddie Guerrero and the type of person that he was. Yeah, I always respected him a lot. I remember when Eddie and Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit stuck together and uh, they were doing business as a trio like they were all going to hold up the WCW office at the same time or, or quit and leave and jump um, at the same time. And so I thought that was really cool. Um, and it was cool that they had the leverage to do that because that was still when it was a really big guy business. And so to see those guys be so good with their technical wrestling. Uh, and this was at the time when, WCW was bringing in Lucha wrestling and, and people were seeing it for the first time. So that, that helped bring the average of the size of wrestlers down. ECW brought them in first and WCW did, of course. But um, at that time, you know, they were just so good and so technical. And, and um, I had respect, you know, for all of them. And so uh, I liked working with Eddie. Um, you know, uh, I loved... I loved uh, giving him a monkey flip because he would go all the way across the ring. <laughs> um, certain guys do. Certain guys go thud. I'm not exactly sure what the uh, what all the factors are there, but I never planned for it to be a thud. But Eddie, um, I was like, and he, he was intense. He was always like really tense, um, and he looked like he was battling something, you know, like. Uh, troubled as opposed to being a jolly, giggly kind of guy. You know, he would always um, look like something was on his mind, and I would ask, I talk to him about it or whatever. He was just, you know, saying something about he had some demons. And I remember him telling me about some where that he went to uh, rejuvenate, rehabilitate some sweat lodge camp kind of thing that he was telling. Oh, you gotta go. You go down there, like no drugs, nothing, no caffeine, nothing for a while, and. And that always stuck out with me because I've never done that. And I always think like, wow, like in a single day, like how many, you know, how much, how many toxins am I taking in? You know, especially if you're considering a caffeine, a drug, which it is. And that's usually what I start with in the morning. And, um, I, you know, I always think about that. That really stuck out with me. But maybe that would be a good idea. I don't know. It would definitely be um, a different idea to treat the, to treat the body like that. 
um, always liked, uh, always liked Eddie. You know, never had a never had a bad experience with him that I can remember. Now, I wanted to ask this question because, in looking at the scope of wrestling, you guys' time in ECW, you guys had you know Chris Benoit, you had Eddie Guerrero's, you've had you know Brian Pillman for a point in time, you had Steve Austin for a point in time, like, and honestly, you guys were kind of like ushering the era where not all your champions were necessarily the big, big guys. You got Taz. Taz is probably like 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", you know, solid dude, but very technical. Like, he was big enough to be a champion. You know what I'm saying? You had people like Raven. Then you had, you know, people like uh, Stevie Richards. Or I mean, he was supposed to be champion, but then he ended up going to WCW or something. But I say all that to say, listen, do you feel that – the bigger companies such as WCW and WWE at the time when they was going through their wars basically just looked at ECW and said, do what they're doing and we'll be fine? I think it was probably more a matter of the style being so cool in ECW and Paul Heyman being uh, so smart at knowing uh, what's what's really cool like what's just cool today not just not just yesterday but he seems like he's like right on the edge of you know the music that they're just putting out on the radio that we're going to be hearing and uh and the adult storylines and ecw was the first to start using real storylines you know what i mean like if somebody uh got pulled over for the ui we would use that on tv because our that that was the fans that we targeted our crowd was, you know, the, the internet dirty, the dirt sheet readers. And so, um, that, that was something that like broke new ground. And then, and then everybody else was doing it shortly after, you know, with the Monday night wars, they were shooting on each other. And, um, so, you know, they, it's always been ECW. I think I'm ahead of its own time. Just like myself, I can name uh, so many things that I, I've been ahead of my own time. And then later on, uh, then everything else catches up to it, and I've already moved on. Uh, I'm okay with that, but I think it's more that um, because the product I think that we put out was so cool, and it wasn't being seen by as many people as they had watching their product. It's crazy because I, I say that like when you think about it, you think of huge wrestling. Like you see Stone Cold Steve Austin took the Sandman's gimmick pretty much with the whole bear coming to the ring. Totally. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, you look at Glacier. <laughs> By far, they try to do the RVD moveset left and right, just didn't have the cool factor. You get what I'm saying? And, and, and so it's like, and so on and so forth. And it's crazy how, like, like I said, ECW is just that that cult classic. But when you actually sit and look, it's like, wow. Like WWE, you can point at they definitely stole certain things from you guys. WCW, you look at, they definitely stole certain things from you guys. You know what I mean? It just makes me wonder, like, if you guys had that finance, it's like, would we even be talking about WWE or ECW? I mean, or WCW. That's That's how we all felt at the time. You know what I mean? I didn't want to go anywhere else. That was my favorite style, and I knew that that was where I was best showcased was in the ECW hardcore style where I was really going to stand out. And so that's why I was turning offers down. wasn't interested in going uh, to one of the other companies, but I followed Paul all the way down to the end. He was telling us he's working on getting a TV deal with USA. 
then next week you have a meeting, you know, and it's like, I have, I have a phone call with Barry Diller at 9 a.m. <laughs> and we were, we just wanted it to be so true. You know, a lot of the guys hung out when the checks were bouncing, you know, uh, I think everybody knows about that. The thing was going down hard. I knew when it was time to jump off and I had, I, the last show I did was a pay-per-view and I think they did one house show in St. Louis afterwards that I wasn't on, but, um, you know, that would have been great, I think. I thought that our product was superior. I thought that if enough people saw it, they would prefer it because it had that car crash appeal where you're flipping through the channels. You're like, wait, did I just did I just see uh, some wrestlers just threw fire out into the crowd and caught the crowd on fire? What the fuck was that? <laughs> that was, uh, that's what it had, that appeal. And so I think, you know, that maybe, I mean, I still think, it was so counterculture that that probably would have still been a factor. You know what I mean? Like mainstream always wins with numbers and mainstream likes things cheesed down a little bit. So, uh, but I don't know. It would have been a competitor. I feel, you know, it was crazy. And I, I, I don't know if you was upset by this, but I was highly upset when they brought Taz back after he had already debuted in WWF at the time, when they brought him back to take the title off of Mike awesome. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking like you have someone like RVD, the longest reigning television champion. Head over heels is over with the crowd. Why not give him the title? I felt like you should have been ECW champion two or three times over before defeating John Cena, which I honestly was in that in that mode of Cena wins rewrite type yeah. <laughs> feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. But I did really enjoy uh, – the path that I was on when I was the TV champion and Mike Austin was the heavyweight champion and we were both, and ECW was just growing, you know what I mean? Like, weekend after weekend, our houses were getting bigger, our pay-per-views uh, were getting bigger, we were working bigger arenas. It was an exciting time, and I really wanted uh, to go against Mike Awesome. Uh, championship for championship, but I, I wanted that to not happen until it was the right time, you know, when uh, when our momentum, like, got us up there. So I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, man. And you know what's crazy? It's uh, when I think about everything, and like I said, I was pumped from when you won, you know, the WWF, WWE Heavyweight Championship because I was like, about fucking time. You know, he's getting his just due. However, I feel like, you know, you always hear about backstage politics. Tell me, how was it like with Hunter back there, you know, Triple H? Because I feel like, it, it, I know you probably won't can't shed too much on it, but I felt like he and others at B tried to hold you back as much as they could. You mean when I had the championship or in general? When you, when you had the championship, even before. You know, I felt like you should have won that, the WWE championship, on more than one occasion. Well, I think that um, it's, not a really big secret that I wasn't Hunter's uh, number one choice for the, the foot to put forward for the company, you know, to represent WWE. I think that uh, I think that's probably true, and that most people know that. Um, and it's easy to look at that as if he's just a, a talent that, that's holding other talent down. But if you look at it like uh, like he's in, like he's one of the guys that's in charge, and that's the criteria for the job is to fit his uh, 
his needs or, or his vision, if you look at it like that, um, then, then it's just like, uh, yeah, you know, maybe, uh, maybe if it wasn't him and somebody else was in that position, then maybe my career would have been different, uh, whatever. But it, it, it was, it was how it was, you know what I mean? That's how I look at it. Yeah. But, I, and, and, you know, I harp on it because I feel like you were the person like, outside of like smoking marijuana, which to me, like I said, it makes no difference because no one's died from marijuana. Um, You've had they've had people represent the company that has wellness policy issues on multiple occasions, and those guys are multiple time champions. They always push those guys to the moon and back. Well, however, someone like you, the only, the only negative connotation they could say is this: he smokes marijuana. You get what I'm saying? And I feel like that should have never ever held you back because you were super over. And I also believe like you are one of those guys who never ever needed a championship to be over, but it's nice to have because. The work you put in, I felt you deserved it. Well, I appreciate that, and I totally understand, and I think that's a common view, you know, that I've heard uh, from uh, from a lot of people expressed. Uh, something that I will say to that is that I still get pushed back about marijuana. Um, you know, my, my movie Headstrong, uh, while I was promoting it, I had my hometown in Battle Creek, Michigan. Uh, they have this, uh, this this free paper everyone gets called The Shopper. Uh, and they were doing a big story on my on my movie. And they watched it and they, and they wrote a story on it. And they interviewed me. They asked me to send them photos. I sent them a whole bunch of uh, photos and stuff. It's going to come out Wednesday. I'm so excited. And I just never heard from them again. And so hit him back a few times. And he says, oh, my senior editor uh, cut the story because he saw... Uh, something on YouTube where uh, that said you wrestle high most of the time. Oh, that's a bunch of <laughs> to wow. the ass. You guys probably know. You guys probably know the article I'm talking about. This was like a month, maybe two months ago. It came out a headline. You know, that grabbed a bunch of attention for like two weeks. Uh, that said that RVD said that he wrestled high or something. So anyway, um, I reached back to him a couple times. Said you know, one marijuana is not even mentioned in the movie once. And two, I really want to uh, make a change about concussions. You know, people are killing themselves. Didn't hear back from the guy. So kind of like, well, well, fuck that guy. One thing that I know is from just alone from me being a, talking about marijuana, I know for a fact that I've helped a lot more people than I've hurt. Definitely, man. Definitely. And, and I hear stories. Sometimes people come up and tell me stories. They'll say, hey, my dad had cancer and he was so uncomfortable going through all this pain, was sick, and I could never get him to try marijuana. And then I told him, you know, RVD, you know, says marijuana is good and, and showed him a video. I always smoked it. I just want to thank you. Like, you know, it helped, helped him so much. Like, shit like that. Shit like that makes up for a lot of, uh, you know, people that want to give me pushback for it. Now, RVD, this is something we always, uh, is coming to the end of the portion here of the conversation, but uh, there's always a couple things we'd like to do with our special guest. Do I sense a pusher, Barry? Uh, that's coming. However, we want to list RVD's top five matches. If you could either pick a hand <laughs> or actually wrestle three wrestlers, past, present, future, well, not future, but past, present, who would they be? What match stipulation would be involved? You said it. You're the promoter. RVD, WrestleMania, whatever the case may be, versus X, whoever it is in this kind of match. Who would it be? Uh, 
RVD versus Sabu in a hardcore Sheik Memorial match. Mm. Oh, so that's one. Okay. We got that one. And I, I think we just have ambulances in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> like, EMTs everywhere. Yeah, just in the front row. No no front just, row just tickets in case. there. Just in case. <laughs> uh, who would be your second person? I got two more. Okay, let's see. Um, these thought questions. <laughs> Jay's good for those. So you keep those points active. Okay, <laughs> let's see who's the highest paid. Uh, I don't know. I, how about how about RVD versus Triple H in a um, RVD takes Triple H's payday match. Mm. I, I want to see that as a pick a hand match. Just putting it out there. But uh, <laughs> RVD takes your payday. <laughs> takes like your yeah, straight shoot. No, no. <laughs> oh man. And then I guess, right. I guess for the third one, who would it be? Uh, because you know, it seems like you give the younger guys opportunities too. If you could wrestle one of the younger guys who are uh, up and coming in the industry, who would it be? And you know, what would be your stipulation for that match? Okay, let's see. Young guy, young guy. <laughs> mm. He's about to make a young uh, guy's day. Going through the Rolodex. Uh, Rich on because he's one of the young guys, works his ass off, who's very impressive and very athletic. And it would be a... Uh, um, a Viet Cong, a Viet Cong death match um, for no reason, for no reason whatsoever. That, that's all like <laughs> shit. Like, what Done. did he do to you? Like, <laughs> I love it. Just to show he still got it. I could have just been like a false count anywhere. Like, I like it. He's had a pure death match. Like, I like it. I like Kong it. Death match. Now, before we go into Pusher Barry and Jay will explain how that works, and we are nearing the end here. I do have to ask, as as someone who really admires your work. Couldn't help to notice in your career you you've shared the the ring with the Rock. When you're going through the motions or you're in the ring, what's it like to work with someone like that uh, who is held in such high regard by fans, by the company, by everyone? Is there a different mindset going into that, or are you just gonna be like, hey, you're you're just another guy to me, and I'm still RVD? At the time, it was a lot more like like that, you know, like okay, you know, he's 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 a he's one of the guys in the locker room, a talent on the show. Um, you know, one of the top guys, but, you know, uh, yeah, I'm just working with him. It was a lot more like that at the time. Now, it would be way different. If, if I was booked to wrestle rock now, I'd be like, dude, why are you wrestling? You're the highest paid actor in the fucking world. Are you crazy? <laughs> right. Uh, Put me in one of your movies. Way more comp- <laughs> yeah, it's way more complex now. Then, uh, but, I, but I remember that I really did like it. I remember, like, before the match, you wanted to make sure that I got in everything that I wanted to get in because it was a, you know, a hardcore match and he wanted it to look good, but he didn't want to, you know, get scarred up and shit, but that wasn't a big part of the conversation. He just, uh, he wanted to be there for everything. So I've always liked Rock, though. He's always been super cool. Nice, nice, nice. All right, Pusha Berry, and then we're done Yeah, here. so Pusha Berry, we're going to name just a couple of wrestlers, and depending on how you feel, you can let us know if they deserve a push and, like, get pushed to that main event level or buried. I'm probably not even going to know who these guys are. Hey, oh, it, gonna, might, it might not even be a wrestler. We're going to name. We're going to name some people. We're going to name some people. 
Um, but in this, we like to personalize it. For the, so for this one, it'll be Van Daminator, which is a thumbs up, or Van Terminator, which is the thumbs down. <laughs> All right. All right. We're gonna we're gonna name off a couple of wrestlers, and we're gonna start off with. Are you ready for this one, Moose? I'm ready. Ready as I'll ever be. Let me put it that way. We're gonna start off with Moose. Van Daminator or Van Terminator? Uh, Van Daminator. Boom. Dang. This is a former guest on the Quick show. Quick answer. Nice. All right. So He's I'm not guy. even. I'm not He's even. He's a good guy. I wish him well. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, and again, as Jay just said, we've had him on the show. He's awesome. Uh, former football player too. So I want to give you a person. I'm gonna give you a a time in your life. WWE's version of ECW. <laughs> Van Daminator or Van Terminator? I think I'm going to surprise you and go with the Van Daminator. That's that is definitely a surprise. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, think, I think that possibly when I explain that maybe you also... We'll see it my way and give it a Van Daminator. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you ready for this? We're ready. <laughs> okay. Lay it out. Okay. So we're at a time in your life, mm. a little bit prior to the uh, time we just mentioned, where uh, I, RVD, am talking to Vince McMahon about um, ECW. I'm hearing the fans chant ECW. I'm missing it really bad. And I'm telling Vince, hey, Vince, you know, uh, why is it, you know, what's the reason you don't do like a, like a pay-per-view and have it like an ECW? You know, the fans would like to see it. And you got so many guys here that are former ECW guys, you wouldn't even have to bring anybody in. And I totally expected him to say, well, this is why, Rob, I don't want people to remember that. But instead, you know, like a light bulb went off above him, and he went, Rob, I, I think I can make a lot of money with that. That's God a damn it, Rob, I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, so you, so you see where I'm going already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 To, go, to go from there to actually bringing it back as a third brand has to go down as one of my personal like biggest accomplishments, you know? And, and not just, hey, I brought back a third brand, but... What I brought back was the was based on the spirit that me and you and all the ECW fans have that wouldn't let it die, that missed it. We wanted ECW. That's why when we did that one night stand, everybody was for me and and wanted Cena because uh, Cena was representing everything that WWE was trying to shove down your throat and say this is pro wrestling, and I obviously stood for that ECW spirit of, hey, anything goes. This is the fucking, this is the way that I want to do it. And the fans agreed, this is the way we want it. And it was that big spirit and me refusing to give up on it, me refusing to let it die, bringing it back that caused that, that, that third brand. So it was a major accomplishment um, from that perspective. And also, by the way, when it first came out, I excellent matches when it's, Anything goes with Bob Holly, Test, Big Show, Sabu. Sometimes people forget about those matches, but for a few months, um, we did, it was very similar to uh, old ECW as far as that goes. So, Van Daminator, guys, did okay. I win, win you over? You did. Yeah, no, you, you did. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. You, you did. I, I, I pretty right. like I heard a little bit of that story beforehand, um, but you did win me over. Now that you fully explained it, however, one thing I will say. 
and, and, and like it peeved me off a little bit in your match with Cena <laughs> that they had Edge oh. have to do the interference. I hated that. Because I was like, I was like, if you're gonna let RVD do this, let him have his moment without yes. having Edge to do it. Like, let because him. The moment was being had. Exactly. And then that happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, ah, that's kind of cheap. You know, Super Cena can lose. Why once. RVD? Why? <laughs> Why? Why did that happen? Why? I, I felt I felt the exact same way, but now I don't care. <laughs> He's like, it's in the books, damn it. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, I still get upset thinking about that. But speaking of, uh, the next person, and this person actually came up through the ECW, the, the revived ECW brand, CM Punk. Uh, Vet Daminator for CM Punk. All right. All right. Jeff Hardy. Vet Daminator. And I think my last one would have to be. You ready for this one? I'm ready. You said Ahmed Johnson? Nah. <laughs> Elijah Burke. <laughs> Elijah Burke. Elijah. <laughs> you got to chuckle there. <laughs> yeah. I haven't thought about that guy in, uh, in so long. Uh, the Pope. Um, no, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him a Van Damme and later say good for him that he was able to uh, make in the business like he did. You know, it's definitely not easy for anybody to do. And everybody, uh, for everybody that makes it in the business, there's got to be like so many hundreds of thousands that, that don't make it. And even out of the ones that make it to a point where they get regular work from it, Still, very few of those ever become a superstar. Then you have to be a superstar for a long, long time and a top superstar before you become a legend. You know what I mean? So anybody that's anywhere on that path that got there, you know, from making their dreams come true and shit, I say go for it. You know, Van Daminator to your face. Hey, let's get it. This one's kind of obvious, but I just have to drop his name. Kane. That was the last one. Nah, that was my last one, but you know, Luis. Jay's last one. Luis, Luis has a problem with uh, running <laughs> no, over. No, this is uh, the Unsanctioned Podcast. Everything is on the table, but we are at the end. <laughs> but I want to hear your thoughts on Kane. You guys had amazing chemistry. So he gets a Van Daminator, doesn't he? Kane, yeah. Dude, Kane's, uh, he's, he's like one of the coolest guys for having been in, in that dressing room for so long. I was always amazed at that because there's a whole different it's a whole different world on the other side of the locker room door different rules different value system you know it's like a different mentality like in a fraternal kind of way with the boys and it's just it's a ridiculous thing and and then the politics and i've just always been so impressed with the fact that kane is so cool somehow uh, even though he's been there for like 80 years, he doesn't seem to have been affected by that. Right. <laughs> RVD, how can people keep up with you and what do you have coming up next? Yeah, dude, I'm at the real RVD everywhere and you should watch Headstrong because it's important and it's very personal to me and plus it's awesome. And it's on iTunes and Google Play and Amazon and Fight TV and Voodoo. This uh, coming weekend, I will be in Chicago, as you mentioned, at Wizard World uh, Impact here in Las Vegas on September 5th and 6th. And then um, going to 
Well, I'm going to go to South Africa in, uh, in October, as well, as well as back to Chicago. But uh, <laughs> yeah, South Africa is for a new promotion that's starting out there. Uh, Justin, Justin, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gabriel? It does not, yeah, thank you. I don't know why he was blanking, but yeah, anyway, he's uh, it's his friends or whatever. So a trip like this is going to be awesome because it's uh, Katie and I both going and we'll be there for like four or five days and there'll be like a vacation. It's awesome. Sweet. Uh, well, first off, it's awesome when you're dating Katie Forbes, but I think everyone can imagine that. <laughs> Congrats, sir. I'm not going to envision that because that is your lady. Not going <laughs> to... I'm glad you're happy. Awesome. It, it, it's very awesome when uh, when we can work together like that too. Like there's a lot of sure. lot of value. Sometimes I'll even give up a few dollars for it because there's so much value in it. But um, it's awesome. One of the reasons I'm very happy. Life is great. Now, how can fans receive a follow back from the RVD? The guy with a million not- followers. That's crazy. One million. What? I need to pick my Instagram uh, game up. That's something that Katie showed me that I only posted, like, I think 21 times all of last year. So uh, trying to pick that one up, I'm at, like, 436,000. And I know, I think Instagram's cooler to people, but um, I like to take photos and shit that off. <laughs> yeah, Twitter's easy because there's words, you know. But, yeah, the, I don't know. There's not a way... There's not a way to a specific way to get a follow back. So sometimes you just have to inspire me. Sometimes I'm so inspired to do so. <laughs> Luis, we RVD. have to inspire him, man. We have to inspire. <laughs> we'll him. get on it, but we'll know for sure. We'll we'll make sure to share your your documentary as well. We'll we'll tweet that out and, and share it on our Facebook cool. as well too. So thanks, RVD. Appreciate yeah, the time. You've been amazing. <laughs> the whole effing show, Jay. That's a huge. This really just that's happened. huge, bro. This happened. Bro, like, RVD on the Unsanctioned Podcast. Bro, RVD, like my That's favorite. He definitely phenomenal. called me out, though. You he see did. He, he called he, you out, see? He said he, he tried to call me out. out. But like, no, boy, <laughs> RVD is my favorite, but you got to pay homage. He's a listener, you though. You got to pay homage. Like I said, Macho Man yeah. is up there. But All RVD right. is right. my favorite. Um, so wow. for you, it's RVD, Macho Man, Hulk Hogan. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, what was that was third Stone name you listed? Stone Cold list? and Hogan? No, no, or no, 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 no. Now you, there was no Hogan was on that list. RVD, no Hogan, brother. Macho Man, RVD, mm-hmm, Stone mm-hmm. Cold, the RVD Rock, Hogan, one, and then RVD one, RVD one, Macho right. Man one B, one B, one B, one B. Okay, you got, you got. I mean, oh, okay, you could throw Shawn Michaels up there. Shawn Michaels one C. <laughs> nah, he's a two. Two. He's a two. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you would have to add the Rock. Of course. You got to throw the rock up there. Of course. Then The Undertaker? Undertaker would creep in there. He would have to creep in there. And then you'd put longevity. Hogan. No and Hogan. Then whoa, whoa, whoa. No Hogan. Kira? I Shane like Kira. McMahon, Kira Hogan then- is, is, is a great, <laughs> great up-and-coming talent. Nah, nah we know Hogan's your one. So. With you. Heck to the no. Hogan's your one, brother. Now, did I stand up at WrestleMania when I heard his music hit? Yes, you did. You, I stood up. That's you screamed, nah, you screamed like a little female. Just stood up. That's oh, all. my God! No, 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 no. I bowed my head a little bit, <laughs> no, you but I didn't hit the notes. You went full-blown. I didn't hit the notes. You went full-blown Hogan poses and everything. I stood up, then I sat down. Yeah. Tell me how your t-shirt ripped. How'd your t-shirt rip? 
down the middle. How? Off to the side. Little How? Little That's all. Oh, yeah. He wasn't, wasn't that strong. He wasn't, full, the, he wasn't fully full strong. Rip, no full rip <laughs> equals no full support. You see what nah, I'm you weren't fully strong. You couldn't rip it all the way. <laughs> you would hack the Shrek. Take cold, one actually. side, hack the Shrek. I got the other. Hack the Shrek was freezing. We had great seats. Center to the to the ring. About you know, 100 rows up. Yes. It was kind of, it was a little up there. First row of our section. So that was cool. Mile high. But it was kind of cold. <laughs> but so. nah, shout out to RVD, man. Rob Van Dam joining us on the whole effing podcast, the unsanctioned podcast. He doesn't sugarcoat anything, and he's exactly who we see on TV. It's like no matter where you see RVD or how you consume your portion of RVD, whether as a comedian, as a wrestler, as a regular person, as someone you admire, it doesn't matter. You get the same personality in every facet of those interactions. Yeah, you know what's cool. crazy? Like I said, man, it's um He was the RVD we know we and that we love. Yeah, definitely, definitely like up there as far as the conversation, man. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Wow man, I can't believe that just happened. It happened. It's in the books. It's in the books. RVD was on the Unsanctioned Podcast. That's so awesome, bro. And we are now officially the whole effing podcast. We are. And we've been dubbed by the whole effing show, the whole effing podcast. Yep. He sure did. Oh wow. He sure and did. So Luis, man. Tell the people how they can keep up. Unsanctioned TW across social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yep. So shoot us a follow there. We're trying to grow that. Twitter is where we maintain some strength and, and we put the word out the most. But mm-hmm. hit us up on Instagram too. That's the newest one of the bunch. Yeah, man. We got to get some photos up there. We've been tossing up some live interviews that we've been doing. Um, so, of course, make sure you shoot us a like, follow on those pages. And, of course, you can follow me at J-A-Y-O-C-I-T-Y. That's us on Facebook at that 781 the end and you can email the show at unsanctionedpodcast at gmail.com hit me up on twitter at luis vasquez 617 yeah man and shout out to the booker man once again shout out to the booker man the booker man has been get working this man a raise hard bro get this man a raise shout out to the booker man i'm gonna talk to the podcast union we need to do something something like the, the booker man like has been he's been putting in work bro Fight Booth PW, you're getting a call. Oh, we got to do something for the Booker Man. We got to do something. Write something into the Dave contract. Dave Reno, make it happen, buddy. We know where you live. <laughs> I'm not going that far. <laughs> Jay knows where you live. I don't know where you live. What are you talking about? I'm not going that far. <laughs> I think Luis has been inspired. <laughs> hey, hit us up. Thank you, RVD. Thank you, Booker Man. Yeah, Thank man. you, Unsanctioned Nation. Louise. We appreciate it. Hey, there's a lot more episodes to check out, too. Definitely. Make sure y'all check us out across any podcast platform. You got Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. It's all there. There's no reason for them not to work. Listen, no reason. Hit subscribe. And honestly, like, leave us your honest review, man. We, want, we love reading the reviews. You know, good, bad, and ugly. We just want to hear back from you guys because it helps us become a better podcast for you guys definitely like make sure you guys like i said shoot us a like on our social media pages subscribe on your podcast pages and leave us a review man so we can check it out man we appreciate that hit the line jay you already know man this is the unsanctioned podcast we are now being unsanctioned over your airways to the next time peace and love y'all gotta bring the city back let me know we still here never gonna stop keep rolling like a wheelchair can't be shook shook you know the wolf smell fed throw them in the trunk turn your man to a straight stick no tire just money so fine